Welcome to Business Environment Insights, a podcast produced for the University of Southern Queensland's Master of Business Administration. I'm Dr. Daniel Maddock, a digital pedagogy and media specialist and part of the MBA design team. In this podcast series, we talk to leaders from a variety of industries about how they effectively navigate the internal and external environment of their businesses in a way that balances the needs and demands of all stakeholders, but also maximizes performance. These interviews were recorded via the internet, so please keep this in mind as you listen to this episode. Nia Yari Giam, Jaganba, Na Gayabu, Yarrawa Peoples, Nia Toowoomba. This podcast is recorded on the traditional lands of the Giyabul and Yarrawa peoples in a place called Toowoomba. Our guest for this episode began her career in accountancy before moving on to practice management and eventually an executive director role. Amanda Kenefake sits on the boards of Food Leaders Australia, the Lachlan Hughes Foundation and our very own Student Guild as a graduate of USQ. Amanda is currently the CEO and Executive Director of Power Tynan, a professional service firm based in Toowoomba with offices in Stanthorpe, Roma and Brisbane. Amanda Kenefake, welcome to the show. Thank you. Amanda, can you tell the listeners a little bit about your background and how you got to where you are now? Um, yeah, a long and windy road. <laughs> so I, I um, went to university here at USQ. Um, I also have um, been associated with USQ for many years in different different um, positions, advisory boards, things like that throughout the years as well. Um, when I finished university um, and did a Bachelor of Commerce majoring in accounting and law at the time, I don't think that's offered anymore, but I, I did a bit of both. I started at Power Tynan just as a graduate accountant. Uh, about three months in, um, the senior accountant above me uh, resigned or retired actually and they said, oh, well, we're not going to replace that person, Amanda, you're just going to step up. So as you can imagine, a three-month graduate account, and I went, oh, as you do. And they also said, um, yeah, she does all of the internal, I guess, practice management um, and looks after all the internal bookkeeping and everything for the business. So we also want you to take over that. So that was probably the two-pronged approach, I guess, to my, um, my career. It was not only client-facing um, in taxation and business advisory, but also internal in practice management and doing that. So I started uh, that journey way back in 1997. Um, and then over the years, uh, just progressed, I guess, and I really enjoyed the, the management side of the business and really understanding what makes a business tick. Um, so I, I became a an associate and then a director um, of Power Time and, and started working through, I guess, all the internal system as well as also having the, the client contact on the other side. But really, um, I guess that's where I've honed my skills over the, the last probably 10 to 12 years is really in the, that practice management, running a business. What are the things you need to do to be a good leader, a good manager, um, and really trying to push that across other people in the team in regards to, yeah, how you do that. Well, an excellent background for what we're talking about today, which is experiences, uh, your experiences of collaboration as a leader within the business environment. We'd like to talk about some of those real issues and, but also, you know, opportunities that, that come about from collaboration at, at different levels of leadership. Can you talk me through as a leader, how much value you place on say interdependence and also collaboration? one of the highest 
areas I guess I do rank in in any business. Um, I don't know what everyone else sees out in the world, but it's not getting any easier and the legislation is not getting any less complex. Um, There's a lot of information you need to disseminate, understand, uh, put into practice, you know, turn that theoretical stuff into practical. So I don't think you can operate in silos. I don't think you can can operate standalone, whether, you know, you bring in consultants, contractors, you've actually got to really bring a team together, whether that's a management team, a leadership team, whatever it might be to, to deliver on a lot of those those things you can't know everything there's too much information changes are happening too quickly um you also can't just listen to your own voice because i think sometimes you know you you drink your own water type mentality and if no one's challenging you are you actually doing and being the best you can be in whatever the circumstances are so i think that you know single siloed approach if it's not long gone it should be um i think the collaborative working together, delivering the best outcome is the best way to help a business move forward. Amanda, how do you then break down silos if they do exist in a business, especially as a leader, if you're coming into that business? I think you've really got to explain the why. I talk a lot about, and it's a Simon Sinek thing, I know, but I do talk a lot about, you know what you do, you know how you do it, but do you know why you're doing it? So I do spend a lot of time, if there is anyone in the business who, or any business that I work with, because I do a lot of management consulting stuff for business as well, if someone sort of is sitting there going, oh, but I can do all that myself, like really trying to get down to the why they need to start utilising other people. And even if it's just the, you get a second opinion or, you you know, trying to break down, because once they start collaborating and working in a group, you can see that the benefits far outweigh working by yourself, um, just to get different feedback, different points of view. And, and I just don't think it, it's healthy for the business, for anyone to work in that siloed siloed manner. I think that's why, you know, hubs and stuff exist out in the place now where, you know, you might be a, a sole contractor or sole trader out there by yourself, but you want to go and have that connection with people at, um, you know, different work hubs or whatever it might be, because pe- we're people, we need that we need that interaction, I think, to, to make us deliver the best that we can deliver. How do you then balance efficiencies that, that might come about from working in, say, a silo with collaboration? Um, I think it's really looking at, and I always talk about it, you've got to know what you're trying to achieve from beginning to end. So if you look at it at a stand just one point in time, you may go, this is more efficient if I did this myself than, you know, giving it to someone else or asking someone else to help. But if you look at the whole process from start to finish, overall the process should be completely more efficient if you've got people who are specialising in each of the areas, however, knowing what's happening throughout the whole process so that it's a smoother process from start to finish. It's it's a more efficient process because they're not going, well, I only need to do this, so I'm not going to do these other five things. So then the next person in the process, if they're picking it up and going, oh, I need these other five things, I have to do them. If everyone understands the entire process from start to finish and what their bit is to the whole process, I think that makes it a much more efficient process over the whole process. It might not be for your little bit, um, but, yeah, I think if you look at it, in a holistic point of view, it, it's a better outcome in the end. So the, the the forward conveyor belt way of working is only as good as that chain, but as soon as we, you know, someone moves on and we need to fill that position again or if we don't know the whole business and the environment in which you're operating, it's going to be harder. 
if you're not sure, you know, you go, oh, we don't need to do that step anymore, like I don't use it, and you just turn it off and not thinking about the ramifications of, like I said, yeah, what's down further down the, the chain, all of a sudden you could be making someone else's life a misery but just because you stopped doing something that took you an extra two minutes or something. You've really got to, un- I, I feel people really need to understand that the bigger picture, the holistic picture, and I think that helps break people out of silos because they become more a part of understanding what the team's trying to deliver as a whole. You're not just focused in just on your little bit. And exactly right, like it's a risk, a massive risk mitigation technique not to have everyone siloed out because if someone disappears, um, you know, made redundant, can't do the job, whatever it might be, you're not missing a whole gap in the business because there is other people know what what's going on. Makes it a massive risk mitigation technique, I think. Well, let's talk about that from a clarity and alignment point of view. How do you make sure everyone's on the same page? How do you uh, set objectives and bring collaboration into that efficiency space to achieve a goal? I think you've got to really make sure everyone understands and agrees on the vision, uh, you know, the overall vision of what you're trying to achieve. But then you also need to really have an understanding of what success looks like. I think that's a really big important thing to go the vision is this, but success looks like this. So if everyone has bought into or understands what those things are, I think you can then roll it down into, you know, what's our strategic intent to achieve our vision? What's our strategic objectives to achieve our vision? Are our KPIs linked to our objectives and our intent? Uh, Our individual KPIs linked to that of the overall business? Like I think you can roll it down and then roll it back up. It should be easily followed in both ways like it, it shouldn't be nothing should stand alone by itself everything should I talk about linkages a lot everything should link if you can't see the link or you can't explain the link then you're potentially missing something or you haven't yeah you haven't connected it well that's sort of like a transparency of information then isn't it a, a, a kind of making sure everybody knows what's going on at different levels is that a challenging thing to achieve um I, I don't think any business uh does it well, to be honest. But I think the one thing um, that helps go towards that is a communication strategy and delivering to that strategy. Because like you said, you will have different people at different levels who may not, for whatever reason, have access to um, certain data, certain information. They don't go to certain meetings, whatever it might be. But if you've got the right communication strategy and you go from this meeting, this information needs to be communicated out to this group of people or the every meeting's going this is the purpose and have I got the right people in the room like it's all around that that communication strategy I think to make sure that is I guess communicated really well it's it's a big part of the business I think that a lot of people struggle with because I, I always think communication if you ever do a survey in a business communication's always one that gets the wrap over the knuckles, it's never done well. And it's also remembering that communication is a two-way street, that it's up and down, like it's not just always feeding the information, it's also getting the feedback. So we talk a lot about having feedback loops within the business that we, um, you know, as a leadership team might disseminate some information down, but then we need to have the feedback back up because we might not do that job or that role or how that impacts that. And you need the that two-way communication, I guess, to make that happen. The other thing I think that a lot of businesses, I don't know, they get a little bit precious about is being overly confidential on information that maybe doesn't need to be confidential. 
Um, I think, you know, you've got to work out what is the, you know, what is truly the confidential part of the business, but what are the other bits and pieces that you should actually communicate to your team? I talk a lot about if you're with someone and they go, hey, let's climb a mountain. You go, yep, I'm onto it. But if you don't tell them what mountain you're climbing, how long you're going for, how many people are coming, like how do people prepare and actually deliver that for you? Um, So it's all about you need to give the people the information they need to know to deliver on your vision. If you're not giving them that information, so if, you know, if I use the climbing a mountain as an example, if I go, hey, we're climbing a mountain, you might think it's tabletop mountain. So that's pretty easy. You do it in 45 minutes, you're down and back, you're home for breakfast. What if I was talking about Mount Kilimanjaro or Mount Everest? You suddenly go, oh, that's a completely different, you know, set of things I'll need. I need to, that's going to take a week. Um, You know, I've got Sherpas I need to deal with. I've got to take water. I've got to deal with the cold. I've got to deal with the different base camps and all the different, a whole raft of different things. So I think if you're not clear about your vision and what you're wanting to deliver to, and you're also not giving the people the information they need to deliver on it, well, you're going to have problems. And it's often surprising, isn't it, how easily communication can be misconstrued even when one person thinks they're being quite clear. Yeah, so and I'll use myself as a perfect example of that. I I don't classify myself as a very detailed person. I'm more the, the bigger picture strategic thinker. So sometimes I'll sit there and I'll go, and this is why I really push for that feedback loop because I'll give people what I think is so much detailed instructions and go, you're good to go. And then they turn around and they go, okay, so what about this? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I can tell you about that. And what about this? And I can tell you about But from my point of view, I'm like, I've just given you every step you need. Then they come back with 10 other steps that I went, oh, sorry, I thought you just knew. So I think that's that feedback loop and really making sure, you know, you get people to repeat what you want them to do in their own words or whatever it might be that works for you and your team. But it's, it's definitely that um, that feedback and, and we talk about action learning a lot around power time and as well, you know, making sure you, you plan, you do, you act and you, you have a look at, well, what didn't we do? Well, let's plan it again. And, and you're, never, you're never happy, I suppose. You never, I don't think anything is ever done perfectly and it's always refining the way you do things and it's just that constant feedback loop in anything that you do. Are there negative aspects to collaboration? Are there problems that it creates? Are there competitions or office politics that happen? Um, I, I always think competition's healthy, but I think that's also led by leadership. So um, it depends on the the comments, the communication, the you know the feel of what's around the place um, that could potentially make competition unhealthy, um, could make make that look bad. You, you can't let things fester. You can't have little snide comments. We talk a lot about you can't have triangles. So if you have an issue with one person, you go talk to that person, not to every other person in the team about it. The, the whole thing is though, leadership's got to support that, comp, that healthy competition. You've got to have a strong office culture to deliver on that as well. I think a negative side, if you don't have a, a cadence or a rhythm of, you know, when things need to be achieved by by collaborating and doing stuff, you can have meetings for meetings' sake. You can also, you, you don't ever, I guess, achieve anything because you're always bringing in different points of view. So it's really being, I think, strong around, you know, meeting agendas, what purpose, what are we trying to deliver, what's our timeframes, what's the cadence, what's the rhythm, 
all of those sort of things. So I think it's, it comes back to that, what are we doing, why are we doing it, how are we going to do it, and really making sure you put timeframes around some of those things as well. Amanda, what advice would you give to one of our graduates from the MBA at USQ about how to remain collaborative and transparent whilst also being an assertive leader? The one thing I think, like especially if you're stepping up into that, you know, to that a leadership position is stop doing your old job. So don't try and do what you used to do. Um, you've got to be open. You've got to be vulnerable. You've got to actually be asking questions and go, I don't know how to do that. Do you think what's the best way to do that? It sounds silly, but being vulnerable and opening questions and, and trying to get everyone involved, it, that's the, one of the greatest forms of leadership, I believe, because it, that's where you get that collaborative um feedback I suppose because they're not going well I'm not talking to them because they should know or they should be telling me like you actually want to break down those barriers and and let that happen um you need to understand yourself that you don't have all the answers you can't have all the answers the world is moving so fast and once you stop I guess working in a lot of that operational stuff day to day and you're spending more time in leadership or strategy or whatever it might be, you do lose touch a bit. So you need to get that feedback from the people who are doing it and listen to what they've got to say. Um, What's the saying? You've got two ears and one mouth, so use them in proportion. You know, like actually listen to what people are saying in the business because it's usually fair and reasonable and you you should be acting on that. Make sure you utilise the teams and all the capabilities and the capacities that they've got. People leave businesses usually because they feel that they're not their worth is not being looked at you know they're not being used to the best of their ability make sure you understand your people make sure you understand their strengths and weaknesses and you work towards that and the other thing is when you come into a leadership position don't change everything from day one I'm sure you you know everyone sits there and you sit and go if I was ever in that job this is what I'd go and do sit back you know for the first 90 100 days and actually just stop and listen and understand what's going on because Like I said, if you think about a business from a holistic point of view, there might not be very obvious reasons why things get done a certain way. But if you actually look at it over the whole of the business or the whole of the process or whatever it might be, it actually might make sense in the long run. So I think don't rush to change, rush to listen and find out what's going on. Amanda Kennefake, CEO and Executive Director of Power Tynan, thank you very much for coming on the show today. No worries at all. Thank you. Information about our guests can always be found in the podcast show notes in your podcast app or on the course site. This has been a University of Southern Queensland podcast produced by the Office for the Advancement of Learning and Teaching.